There are four days until the MLB trade deadline. The Mariners will be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks and then the Boston Red Sox right before the trade deadline. What does that mean? And where do the Mariners stand in terms of buying, selling, meeting in the middle somewhere? Yeah. The Twin Series has been uh, pretty interesting. But Joe, first and foremost, how are you? Good, man. Just uh, saw Oppenheimer, so I'm a little emotionally unavailable, but I'll be here for you. Don't worry. Don't you worry about it. I appreciate that. And you know, Oppenheimer's all about building a bomb or whatever. And there were a lot of bombs hit in game three of the Twin Series. Like what I did there? What a w. segue. So the Twin Series. Obviously, the Mariners went two and one. The last game of the series specifically. Oh, my goodness. It was. It was it was scary. Was I it mean, the Mariners. Coaster? It was a roller coaster of emotions because, you know, the Mariners are up. I think they were up three to one at one or three nothing at one point, And then. The Twins hit two home runs. There were like like eight home runs hitting this game. It was wild. Dylan Moore with two home runs. Uh, Julio Rodriguez had another home run as well. Overall, I know you didn't see a whole lot of that game specifically, but the Twins series as a whole, where are you at right now? I mean, the offense is awake, which is a good thing. And I think the Twins are a very aggressive team. You know, the highest strikeout rate in baseball. So they're going to attack, or maybe not highest, you know, one of the highest strikeout rate teams. And I think that's just evident of... How the you know the three games went it was a little bit closer one in the first game castillo did a great job holding down the twins just you know the the ninth and the tenth didn't really go our way unfortunately for andres munoz and paul seawald there but i thought the offense did okay not enough but like okay colton long had a big pinch hit to run home run as we all were so ready to just be like yeah 100 percent. of course that's gonna happen and i think i don't know i think the game one, even though it was a loss, helped propel the Mariners' offense forward in games two and three. Yeah, game one was my birthday, and Colton Wong came up for your boy Colton, and I thought, you know, it's meant to be. That was going to be win and of the year. That was going to be win of the year, and then, unfortunately, in the top of the tenth inning, the Mariners just don't know how to score a run from second base. Yeah, with no outs, it's impossible. It's impossible, but. Yeah, like you said, the bullpen got pretty used up, which did create some interesting scenarios for the rest of this series, but they got yeah. through it. George Kirby did not pitch well in mm-hmm. game two of the series at all. What what did you see from George? Well, during that game, I was at the Barbie movie, so oh. I also didn't watch any of game two, really. All I know is that when I was driving to the theater, dude was getting tatered. It was 4 nothing yeah. in the first inning. Just getting hit around, right? Like I've talked about, we talked about the twins being aggressive. Just couldn't get guys out. I don't know. I don't really know if they were hitting it to where guys weren't. You know, George was getting bapipped, or if he was just leaving the ball over the middle of the plate a little bit too much. But just was not a great outing from George. Which furious George will be back in the next start without a doubt. He's gonna mm-hmm. go out there and throw in a complete game shutout. Fingers crossed. But yeah, it just wasn't great. But the offense, you know, picked up the slack in game two. Yeah, and with the win in Game 3 as well, the Mariners took the season series versus the Minnesota Twins. Again, they're off on Thursday, and they're on to face the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joe, I'm sorry you don't get a game on your birthday. It's okay. Happy early birthday. Guys, comment happy birthday, Joe, in the comments now. And then the Mariners are going to take on the Red Sox and the Angels, two teams that are in front of them in the wild card hunt. Mm -hmm. Just a few more games until the trade deadline. What are the Mariners thinking right now, Joe, for the deadline? What... Are they like, hey, let's go, you know, get a piece here and there? You have saying, to. You have let's to. Let's sell everyone? No. Go there, on. There's no selling. You have to be buying. I think if you lose, if you get swept in Minnesota, it's definitely a different vibe. You're probably selling. 
you're going to sell Murphy, you're going to sell Seawald, you're going to sell Teo. Hell, maybe even Ty France. But that's like, whoa! You know? You win two out of three. You've won back-to-back series against good teams. You're buying. And what that looks like, I don't know where we're at in terms of valuing of prospects and what prospects we're willing to trade and ship out and which ones we're shopping. There's, you know, rumors surrounding Jonathan India for the Reds. And, you know, it's going... No, I don't want that trade. I don't really... I'm not a huge... Not a huge proponent of that idea. The Reds are asking way too much for Jonathan India. And I get it. You know, rookie of the year, club control, a position where, you know, there's not a lot of guys available. Because, you know, the Cardinals are shopping Paul DeYoung. The Rays are shopping Fidel Brujan. We want the next step up in those situations. And I'm just not a big proponent of the India trade. It would be a buying trade, but it's not really where I'm at. And... We had a big, you know, Mariner Mojo trade deadline video. And I think the, yeah, right above you. <laughs> and I felt like we were buying a good amount in that video. I'm not so sure a trade like your Rays one where we're trading Paul Seawald, Tom Murphy, and Gabe Spire is entirely possible because of the state of how each of those guys are necessarily playing. Tom Murphy has been the better catcher on our team right now. To be plain and simple, to not sugarcoat anything. Nothing wrong with Cal. But them as a tandem, I don't want to separate it. Paul, the de facto closer, I'd have a hard time trading him, but I can understand why people might still want to. And then Gabe Spire, you can trade him. But like, I don't know, where are you at in terms of buying or selling? I think that if the Mariners are going to make any sort of significant move, it's going to come on August 1st. I think that they're going to pull this up until the very last second because they kind of feel like they have to. And if they happen to wait until the very last moment of the deadline... I'll be here streaming on that day, on Tuesday, August 1st, up until the end of the deadline, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to cover any Mariners moves and any moves throughout the MLB. So if you're not subscribed, subscribe and turn on post notifications. Get notified when I will be going live that day to come here and hang out and chat about the deadline and everything Mariners on that day. If the Mariners can get, you know, a few games closer, let's say they take the first two games in Arizona, then and you're missing Zach Gallon in Arizona, which is good. Big but, W huge w that's that's good yeah he pitches today i believe so okay you you miss zach gallon which is a step in the right direction of taking a couple of games from them Mm -hmm. of course you know the red sox are playing the braves the mets and yankees are meeting up so the teams in front of you have a tough schedule and i think you have to look i talk about this in a video that's coming out tomorrow but you have to look at august and how easy of a schedule august is and say this team especially with the way they're playing right now could easily win 20 games in August. Maybe not easily, but sure. They could you, win you 20 games. You want them in to August. to put them in a good spot in September to make that final push. And the way you get to that point is by winning 20 games in August, but also on August 1st, acquiring people to then help you with that same exact push. Mm-hmm. Because Colton Wong has been better lately, yeah. yes, but he's not the answer. Mm-mm. Jose Caballero, you know is a guy there there's a guy in our comments that keeps telling me that jose caballero is the best player on the team <laughs> i think your name's kurt or something like that you're crazy man crazy you're kurt baby insane <laughs> um it's the haggerty effect 100 is it's the haggerty effect and then of course dylan moore's heated up quite a bit yeah. julio has been really good lately so you're seeing signs of these guys gino's been good where if you fill in a few spots on this roster like preferably left field and second base i mean don't get me wrong Cade marlowe's been fine but yeah, Again, you don't it's, have it's to the go same out, thing, not an answer, though. You don't have to go out and get rental bats. 
you you should be looking at, and we've talked about this, guys that you can have for the next year or so. Mark Canna, I know everyone for some reason hates Mark Canna. He, you know, he's a guy, he gets on base, he can play decent defense, whatever. It'll be it'll be a stability player in left field. Yeah. Second base, I'm not sure who's available. Obviously, I don't like Paul DeYoung. Jonathan India is not a good baseball player. He's terrible defensively and has not posted a WRC plus above 100 since his rookie year. Yeah. He's, he's a below average player. Mm -hmm. And then, so there, there are spots that can be filled, but I don't see Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander going out and actually making those trades unless the Mariners kind of keep up this momentum for the next couple of days. You're running out of time. So he's going to have to make a decision soon. Yeah. And I don't know. And some of these teams might get desperate to trade some of these guys. They might be like, okay, we just need to get these guys off the books to fill in our own needs. So, Trading Tom Murphy, I don't think happens. I think you keep Tom Murphy because putting bring up Brian O'Keefe is just for him to try to learn the pitching staff this late in the year. It's tough. Yeah. And then of course trading Teoscar Hernandez. I'm not going to say anything about it. Watch tomorrow's video. And then <laughs> trading Paul Seawald. No. I mean, and to be fair, the Mariners in terms of trading a reliever, they did just pick up a reliever in a trade uh -huh. with the. Toronto Blue Jays, who very well could factor into if the Mariners trade one of their higher leverage relievers. Tell me a little bit about Trent Thornton. So Trent Thornton was DFA'd to make room for Genesis Cabrera. Blue Jays acquired him from the St. Louis Cardinals. Trent Thornton is now a Seattle Mariner. Triple A shortstop for the Tacoma Rainiers to Toronto in exchange for a guy that wasn't going to figure into their bullpen anymore. Dude's got a high spin rate. Could be similar to like a Justin Topa where we unlock those, you know, what's the word? Accessories? Like skills, you know. We tap into what is good about Trent Thornton, and we could use him as an arm in our Major League pen because he is a Major League guy. He just recently got DFA'd. And I think with that, that is going to kind of showcase that players, pit, you know, pitchers on the Mariners that might be more expendable to trade, like Justin Topa or Gabe Spire, are probably being shopped to those teams that need a bullpen piece. Teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks, Los Angeles Dodgers definitely could use some and the Bay Rays might be even in the mix. So there are plenty of teams where they could fit in there. And don't be surprised if Topa and Spire are traded in some sort of package to a team that is in more so a pennant race as opposed to a wild card chase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think if the Mariners, if anyone can fix Trent Thornton, it's the Mariners. We all know how good they are at doing this. Pitching so lab. He doesn't need to be a high leverage guy necessarily. He could be kind of a middle reliever type. But I think Trent Thornton has the opportunity to be a high leverage guy. Should the Mariners trade one of those two guys as well? I think that Gabe Spire has a decent chance of getting traded. And he's been very good recently. Very, very good. And Justin Topa, honestly, same for him. So if the Mariners are going to make a trade, I think out of the bullpen is the most likely spot they're going to trade from to a team that, like you said, is in a pennant race to fill some of their holes, whether that be in left field, second base, what have you. As for who it's going to be, we talked about it in our video talking all the trades we would make, I'm not sure what's going to work. However, in our Discord, if you become a member, you can join the Discord. We had Mike discuss a trade in there for Blaze Alexander. Joe, what do you think of this trade? Blaze Alexander's been a guy that's been up and down in the Diamondbacks farm system in terms of prospect rankings. He's always been within the top 20, but he has fluctuated anywhere between like 18 and I think he's up to 8 this year in terms of the top 30. A uh, guy that can play utility in the infield, but second base, third base, you know, going to be a dude. He's pretty major league ready. He is on the older end. He was drafted in 2018 and could be a guy that is blocked in Arizona. And the original trade was Taylor Dollard and Tyler 
Goff. Goff. Goff for Blaze Alexander. And I just don't know. Because Dollard's injured. Stock's low. I don't know enough about Guff. <laughs> Whether or not the Diamondbacks are going to be accepting of that. I would say, realistically, if we're going to make a trade with the Diamondbacks, it is going to be for a Major League bullpen piece that we're sending over to them because that is what they need desperately. Their bullpen is in shambles. Not to say that our bullpen's been much better, you know, in the last couple of days because, you know, some earned runs have been putting on to our guys. But through the track record, the Mariners' bullpen has been very, very good. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a Justin Topa and maybe, like, some very low-end infielder goes back to the Diamondbacks for a Blaze Alexander. I could see that working out for both teams, get something out of each other that, you know, we're not really desperate to hold on to necessarily. I mentioned earlier, if we had lost this series to the Twins, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Seawalt was an Arizona Diamondback come the, you know, August 1st. But I'm not really sold on that idea, you know, after the game on on Wednesday. But what do you think about acquiring Blaze Alexander? I mean, I like the thought process. He's a guy, like you said, can move around the infield. A guy who is probably major league ready. Yeah. I personally would think that'd be more of an off-season deal sure. for the Mariners than trying to bring him up and thrust him into a potential, like, trying to reach the playoffs uh, of your own. Like trying a to actually push, yeah. Make a wild card push. So, Blaze Alexander, I mean, you don't necessarily know what you would have with him if you were to pull him up. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like Blaze Alexander. I think he's a good little player. But... Trading for him right now, I feel like might even be more expensive. Eh, no, it'd probably be cheaper, honestly, to trade for him right now because the Diamondbacks have needs. Yeah, they, they need the relievers, and I think we could leverage that need for a guy like Blaze Alexander. There's a second trade that Mike decided to just throw in there for us. It, it was courtesy of the trade value simulator, which we all know and love is our favorite thing in terms of values. This one, I, don't, I think it gets hung up immediately, honestly, on both sides. If I'm if I'm Arizona and I hear this trade, I'm like, mm, no, click. If I'm Seattle and I hear this trade, I'm like, probably not click, right? So Seattle would be sending Michael Arroyo, Jose Caballero, Isaiah Campbell, Zach Deloach, Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock. That's a lot of guys. That's six names, two of which are your top 10 in prospects, right? For Blaze Alexander, so he just replaced Cabby on the roster. But also Cattell Marte. We would get reunited with Cattell Marte, but Marte is having a phenomenal season for the Diamondbacks. He is a veteran leader over there in Arizona. There's no way they're going to be parting with him for no one that's major league ready aside from Isaiah Campbell in terms of what they need. So, Mike, we appreciate, you know, the questions, you know, the... However, the first one, more likely, the second one, I think you're thinking a little bit too far outside of the box, my friend. I would love to get some use out of my Cattell Marte jersey that I bought when he was still with the Mariners that is probably like a belly shirt on me now. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to get use out of it, but it's not happening. It ain't going to happen. So in terms of the bullpen, one of the notes we have on here is Scott's bullpen usage lately. Mm. It's been interesting, especially in game one, I think specifically people, people have had a lot to say about Scott's service. And in my opinion, it, that's baseball. But I agree yeah. that, hey, you know, you probably should have brought in Paul Seawald if he was available in that first game instead of bringing in Andres Munoz. Yeah. Of course, he also pinch hit Colton Wong with a two hit a two run home run. So, yeah, no, that was the 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 defining moment is like Scott's glory, you know, pinch hitting Colton Wong. He hits a two run home run. Everything is saved. Fire Scott service is no longer trending on Twitter. And then 
10 minutes later, Fire Scott Service is then again trending on Twitter. Not that it was, but, you know, in the circles. It's called X now. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I think if I am looking at it from a point of view where I'm not trying to be as skeptical, I think you have to assume the best intention was he wants to save Paul Seawald and not have him go a third day in a row. I think it would have been his third day in a row. So then Munoz comes in, obviously doesn't get the job done. We go to the 10th, we lose. And Paul ends up pitching bottom of the 10th. So then that creates this weird discourse where I'm like, oh, so Paul Sewell is available the whole time. Why not just put him in in the 9th and give yourself a better option to win the game because he has been your guy to go to to close out games, whereas Munoz hasn't been that guy this year. Not to say that, not to say that Munoz can't do it because he did it in game three, but... It's that conversation around like, okay, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I look at it as how they've been talking about the bullpen usage. Is it's in pockets, yeah. and you want your best reliever facing the middle of the lineup. Well, in the ninth inning, it was two, three, four in the Twins lineup, so they brought in Andres Munoz. Even though I'm sure it was also to you know kind of save Seawald a little bit, he mm -hmm. did end up pitching, and then he ended up pitching the next game as well. Yeah, he was down. He was down for game three, but. Mm -hmm. You're if you're pitching to pockets, your best reliever, although this year I would argue it is Paul Seawald, but your best reliever good. is Andres Munoz. Like in in terms of pure stuff, stuff strikeout plus. stuff, yeah, yeah, is Andres Munoz. You're facing the two, three, four hitters. He needs to be able to get it done in that situation. Unfortunately, he did not. He was able to get it done in Game Three, although he almost blew it then too. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I I wasn't too upset. With that, with that call, honestly, I, I was kind of shocked to see everyone freaking out on Twitter. It's Twitter, so I get it. But overall, I agree that should have been Paul, if Paul Seawall is available, just put him in there. He he's he's been doing this all year. He's probably your best reliever right now, which means that he should be pitching in that spot instead of Andres Munoz. So it, it was time for Paul Seawall to pitch, and Scott didn't do it. So I don't know, man. So then the Mariners were on to face the Diamondbacks to end out July. And honestly, the Diamondbacks have been pretty bad lately. Of course, they were really good at the start of the year, but before today's game, they were three and seven in their last ten. Then they went on and lost to the Cardinals today. I think that. The pitching staff for the Diamondbacks, especially because you're going to miss Zach Gallen and, of course, Merrill Kelly just coming off of the injured list. Mm -hmm. This Mariners offense, how it's been hitting right now, should jump all over the Diamondbacks pitching staff, albeit it's 120 degrees in Arizona. Are but... we even going to play? Like, I know yeah. there was a heat advisory, <laughs> right, whether or not we were going to actually be able to make these games count. But, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. We're going to be we're rolling hot into a team that's cold ironically enough in Arizona and there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to jump all over that and continue the momentum for you know climbing your way up those wild card ranks yeah and you should you should have in these couple of games I think would it be Gilbert Wu and Kirby or no Gilbert Wu and Castillo in these three games yeah yes yeah so I mean that sounds good to me obviously mm -hmm. the Diamondbacks offense is pretty decent but it's their pitching staff that is abysmal. I think yeah. their bullpen has a 4.45 ERA this year, which is like the bottom half of the league. And the pitching staff behind Zach Gallen is god awful. We're talking about Brandon Fiat, Fat, uh, Ryan Nelson, yeah. and Just Tommy got Henry. Guys that Mariners will make look like Cy Young Award winners, but we sh theoretically should jump all over. And I think 
a big part of why I'm relatively confident rolling into Arizona as well. The Mariners have done a great job at clawing back against bullpens, I feel like, in the month of July specifically, you know. Albeit, maybe not clawing back, but maybe even also playing the add-on game where we continued, we scored, it was back-to-back games where we scored like four runs in the eighth inning, or like, maybe not back-to-back games, but like, we were scoring late, and we're scoring more runs than normal. A Diamondbacks bullpen that is far from good, we should be able to continue this stretch of adding on later in the games. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that, again, for the trade deadline in 2023, playing some really good baseball up until then, it's going to be very important for the Mariners, especially because they have the day off on Thursday, so the bullpen will be rested. Of course, guys like Julio are hot as the sun right now, probably hotter than how hot it'll be in Chase Field. Maybe yeah. not. And I, I think you keep throwing Tom Murphy out there every every chance you can. Tasker yeah. Hernandez will need to pick it up a little bit, but Gino has looked really good against the Diamondbacks pitching. It, I don't I don't know exactly because I know that Chase Field's covered, so I don't know if the ball flies when it's hot or yeah. if it's like too climate controlled in there. Mm-hmm. But if it flies when it's hot, it's gonna be flying. Yes. So. I think that this is a really good chance for the Mariners before the 2023 trade deadline to pick up a few games and make it that much easier on Jerry DePoto to justify going out and picking up some big pieces. What big pieces those might be, however, well, Joe and I talked about it in this video on the screen now. Appreciate you guys watching this one and go Mariners.